life on the road. It's bees, tacos, angry dwarfs, strippers waving guns, and bees, fights, candle flights, running with the runs, and blacklists, bounce checks, great a bachelorette, <laughs> drunks in the front, making out for your set, and middle acts doing blow more, missing merch, and drive the rental car past another mega church, and juice keys, vagina fist, your cell phone is gone. One big law and order marathon. Check Before yourself. you wreck yourself, check, 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 check it out. Shh. Jimmy Schubert is wearing a Greg Norman ensemble today, ladies and gentlemen, and he is uh, sporting a very flashy teal greenish. What, what color is that? Is that no? It's a blue. Oh, yeah. It's a. It's a, it's a, it's a between teal and, and a, a baby blue. blue. Yeah. Greg Norman. Yeah. Uh, very expensive golf shirts. Like sure. on eBay for like a third of the price. Nice. Yes. Amazon Prime. Because it was worn by a little old man who yeah. used to use it <laughs> once a month on Sundays and shoot like uh, thirty over par. Sure. So Died in it. Uh, yeah. It's not even really. It hasn't even had any use on it yet. Yeah. It, I'm going to be shooting eighties with this thing. I'll be shooting in the low eighties. And Mike Cassatini is dressed the way I normally dress. Yeah. It's really creepy. On purpose. When he walked no, in. I, I like that he's got this pork pie kind of Except plaid, the pork pie hat. I think the hat yeah. with, the, with, the, uh, with a V-neck kind of striped little... Uh, I'm going to the beach. Like, yeah, child, like a very, the very, very, very cool uh, plaid shorts and flip-flops. It's because I uh, sweat a lot. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm very hot all yeah. the time. Well, then you're going to sweat a lot of this because all the windows are well, closed. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. No AC in this studio. Hey, thanks for tuning in the Road Stories Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Murray Valeriano, uh, part of All Things Comedy Network. Um, I got a lot of stuff to talk about, so uh, just go to allthingscomedy.com. Uh, a lot of great podcasts there, a lot of great albums and specials um, run by Bill Burr and Al Madrigal, of course. And Emmett, over there, if you're listening, uh, come on. You said you do this podcast. I'd love to have you on. Uh, as, as said before, joining me today in our fashion uh, corner, uh, 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 Mike Cassatini. Yeah, hey, thanks. Comedian, podcaster, Paisan. Yep. Paisan also uh, runs his own little network. I'm IT man extraordinaire. I mean, he's a jack of all trades. He wears a lot of hats. I love it. Yeah, you know. He's rocking one today. A pork pie. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, he's great. I've done uh, a few podcasts over at your studio. I have uh, Kara Saftanovich is over there, yeah. who everybody knows I love, and she's a good friend of mine. Yeah, I love Kara. Stamey and Tracy's podcast over there. That's right. Stamey, I've probably known longer than anybody, still hasn't had me on her podcast. Uh, Fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> Stamey's a good friend. Well, I'm going to have to have you on my podcast, because we do the Jimmy Schubert show. So oh, I'd love yeah, to, man. Do I'd, over there I'd do anything studios. Jimmy Schubert involved in. Yeah, man. It was... Uh, the last time we worked together, we worked at that, that horrible gig in Reno. Dude, uh, that catch, comes up on the show all catch, the time. Catch, catch a rising fucking middle act or whatever the fuck <laughs> that fucking joint is. Uh, just, uh, just uh, it was like, a, you know, you might as well get a job laying brick if you're doing that fucking gig. Oh, I know. I mean, you know, you just, it's just, I was there one year. I was in Reno, and it's just... You would think I was there on a Thanksgiving week, and you would think that the casinos would not be busy on Thanksgiving week, except uh, there were a ton of Asian folks there. I mean, I don't know what it is. The Asians don't sell. Uh, no, that's not true. They do celebrate Thanksgiving. They cook a big 26-pound turkey, and then they sit around and take pictures of it. <laughs> no, but there, was, there, was just, just, uh, there was just a lot of Asians there. One of the waitresses at the club... Uh, invited me over to her family's house because the and and they deep fried a turkey and they injected with all these spices and they deep fried it. The thing cooked in forty five minutes it was one of the most delicious turkeys I've ever had. Wow! And then uh, 
Yeah, the only Reno story that I have, because uh, of course I've done shitty fucking rooms in Reno. I mean, that's kind of like the beginning of anybody's comedy career. If they're going to work the fucking road, they're going to do. Is there any good rooms I, in I Reno I, I, outside the Regan Theater, yeah, Brian Regan Play Theaters long, and stuff? Long time, but I actually, as a kid, I took a, a road trip by myself in a 1988 Jeep Wrangler. And I was uh, perusing, like, you know, that Carson City area, coming down the mountain, coming from Yosemite back around. And I'm just a kid. I got to be what, maybe now 19. you're going through that Donner Pass? Right I, went, I went up and over, you know, through Tahoe and was making my way over into the Nevada side. And just was, I was just taking a road trip, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm in, this, I'm in this 88 Jeep Wrangler with the top off. It's wind blasting. It's horrible. I get to Reno. And I'm a kid. I'm wearing a, a Cal Berkeley hat, a piece of shit, Cheetahs, Mervins, like, sweatshirt. Right. And I walk into the casino the reno gold hilton actually walk in the casino and i watched i started watching all these old women putting money in the in the slot machines right so i go over to the thing and i drop a quarter into this machine this woman gets off and i win 660 quarters ding 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 all came out in the thing i went i was afraid to go to the cashier with all these quarters sure. so i just took the little you know cups that they have filled up the juice walked out the door and i was gone i made some money i was like <laughs> yes we know how you doing i get in the car and I drive my ass up, and I'm trying to go the backside of Yosemite, coming down. You come down, I forget what it was, a 397 or some shit. And I'm coming down, and I and I couldn't go because at that time it was the winter time, and they shut the passes off. So, mm-hmm. you're st- so I had to be backtrack back around. I go up the pass that Kirkland Ski Resort is on, and I crash my car. Oh! I pull my car into a snowbank right side, and I and I busted um, the transaxle on my car. So I had to take all, and the only money I really had was like a couple of dollars in my pocket and 660 quarters. <laughs> and I used that to get my toe out and have somebody. And then I stayed with people I met at this restaurant uh, and did skiing the next day. Hi, Reno. That's my I'm going to say story. probably the only positive Reno story I've heard. <laughs> yeah. I always come down, when you always come down that pass, you always, where the, that was where the Donner parties, they where they ate each other. Oh, is that like, where it was? Yeah, yeah, it was like right in that pass. So I, as I drive down from Sacramento across over the Reno, uh, on the back of my head, I always hear this tiny voice, Donner, party of 13. <laughs> Donner, party of 12. <laughs> Donner, party of 11. Donner. Yeah party of 10 i will say this this is how (laughs) miserable i was at that reno gig and i've done it since then i haven't done it in a while since you and i went i flew there and i had a ticket back monday morning and jimmy schubert says to me like sunday night sunday afternoon he's like look we get paid first i got the new lexus i got a brand new stereo system i got the brotherhood of the cop sign in my car so we can do a hundred straight down we'll be home by 2 a.m i'm like all right we got home around 7 a.m. <laughs> wow, you know, so I, you know, you, you do the best you can. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite thing was Jimmy Schubert, just this, one of my favorite comedians, as I've said before on here, just hyperactive, high energy, East Coast, Pennsylvania, son of a cop, right? Yeah. Just, it was during the time they wanted to build the mosque uh, next to Ground Zero. And I swear it was like, we got in the car. I'm like, so Jimmy, what do you think about uh, that mosque by Ground Zero? Seven there hours later, I, hey buddy, I'm home. I got to get out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let me tell you another thing about the mosque. <laughs> well, you know, I, was, I mean, it's uh, you know, I, I have since not, I, I, I since could give a fuck right. about any of that stuff. It's, I went through a phase where sure. I was very, uh, and then I realized that. You know they're all full of shit. Oh, yeah. Whether they're Republicans or Democrats, nobody gives a fuck. And if you, you know one party's gonna fuck you, the other party's gonna fucking give you a reach around, and it doesn't make a difference. And 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 the American dream has been under assault for the last thirty years. And there's been Republican charges, Democrats in charge. It's just a fuck system. 
But I don't care anymore because uh, you know I'll be long dead and gone by the time all this fucking shit goes past. You know, yes. by the time it, they turn America into a third world country, I'll be fucking checked out. Yeah. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> they should build a tower inside of a mosque. Nope. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, uh, touchy subjects, I'm going to start this. Everybody got water? I'm going to start this off on a uh, downer. Uh, oh, subject. sweet. That's sweet. Uh, I have had so much death in my life lately. Oh, man. I'm grabbing a water, and I think everybody can started. see my pubes because my pants are falling down. Sorry. <laughs> um, just so much death lately, man. And it's like just coming out like, I don't know. It, it all started with Robin Williams and then it just kind of escalated from there. Comics you've heard of comics you haven't heard of. Uh, two surfers died in the big swell last week. Um, another surfer friend of mine offed himself the other day. It's just like this open micer. I found out her name was Laura Kaapuni when I was starting out, died of cancer. It's rough, man. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just been on my head. So. Well, you know, I, I think uh, I think everybody's been feeling it. I, I mean, you know, it's funny because my my nephew just got married, but my parents are out here. They're they're getting older, and you, and you see, you know, they're not the, the folks they were. But I mean, you, mm-hmm. that puts you face to face with your own mortality. But you also, uh, I mean, comedy. I mean, two giants, yeah. Robin Williams I and Joan bring Rivers. Us, I was going to Rivers Joan. and Joan Rivers that you know was eighty. I mean, that's a good run. That is, but she just didn't seem like she would just seem like she would go on forever and uh you know it's really kind of i mean two real fucking giants Mm -hmm. you know and two people i have a lot of respect for like two heroes two comedy heroes gone you know and and then you know there was and i went through i went through what you're going through uh a couple years back a buddy of mine kelly moran who played the piano at the comedy store was also a comedian yeah yeah and mitch hedberg and then freddie soto yeah i remember yeah yeah you know and then you know, it's just, I don't know what it is, man. It just seems like, you know, I guess we're, we're getting older, so that's an inevitable situation. And and the fact is that we're all on a runaway train to that place. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, it always reminds me that you got to live your life, man. Be happy. Because, uh, I mean, it could be over tomorrow. Yeah, you know, man. you could get hit by a bus. Anything could happen. But, I, I mean, I understand, uh, you know, the... The suicide thing, it seems like I read a statistic not too long ago that a lot of these baby boomers are just taking themselves out. I mean, they didn't. Maybe they didn't plan for the rest of their lives, but they have diseases, debilitating diseases. Oh, really? And they I just don't want to. Yeah, it was. Uh, they just don't want to fucking stick around, man. Yeah. I've seen enough. I got. I'm gonna. I'm gonna fucking check out. I mean, you know, Robin was struggling with severe depression mm-hmm. and onset Parkinson's, and I, I mean, was was a beloved dude. I mean, I I was working in the Throckmorton Theater up there in Mill Valley, California, not too long ago. And I'm sitting back, and it's a gig that Mark Pitt books. Sure, it's a great, it's a great venue. Yeah, it's a great gig, and it's a, it's a, it's a theater Charlie Chaplin used to play when he came down for the mining towns out of uh, Montana. Stopped there, played this theater, but they repurposed it, and it still stands there. And Charlie Chaplin was probably one of my early comedy influences. Mm-hmm. But that, uh, for me, is uh, you know I'm sitting backstage, and it's a rainy night, and I know Mark Peter was talking with Robin, and Robin was flying back that night, and said he would maybe he would stop by, and I didn't expect him to, but I'm in the green room, I'm going over my notes, the stage door opens, and this guy comes in with a Jeff cap, and his collar's kind of pulled up, and and I just did like a double take, and I, I said hey hey, <laughs> it was Robin, right, and you know we sat there and talked. I did a movie with him. I was in the one hour photo with him. We worked for it on a couple days. Awesome. He was very nice, but I've met him over the course of the years. I have a great picture. It's me, Robin, and Sam Kinnis on stage in the original room at the Comedy Store, circa nineteen. 19- 86, mm-hmm. maybe 87, and I'm like 20 years old. Mm. And I'm on stage with these two guys. It's one of my favorite pictures. 
and I showed that to him, and we talked. And Robin is a genuinely warm kind of dude, not like the maniacal guy you see on talk shows, but he was very warm and very kind of soft-spoken and just a sweetheart of a human being. And we talked for 15 minutes, and I had to go on and do my show, and I didn't get a chance to get a picture with him. But in lieu of getting a picture, I had a great kind of moment with him. And to me, that that was just... uh, that was a tough one, man. Yeah. I mean, Robin Williams, uh, you know, that's unexpected. And then Joan Rivers, like, boom, like two giants in this industry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, you know, it's. I ran into Robin not too long ago, uh, oddly enough, at a Joe Rogan show at the Improv. And prior to that, I actually, um, I used to frequent uh, this resort called North Star up in Tahoe. Um, it's where my family, my mom would take us to go skiing at least once a year if we could afford it. And we would stay there. And uh, I couldn't have been more than 19 years old. I hadn't made the move to uh, Los Angeles mm-hmm. yet to pursue comedy sort of full time. And I'm I'm like a little kid thinking about it, but I had my favorites. My four my four horsemen in comedy were, you know, Bill Cosby, Robert Klein, uh, Carlin, and and Robin Williams. And so, wow, old school, old yeah, school with Klein. That's where my you know because I watched Klein on HBO. I mm-hmm. watched Robin at the Met. I watched you know all these guys you know sort of get their specials and whatnot. But nonetheless, I'm on the slopes in North Star, and I was a I was a skier and a, and a snowboard. But at the time, I was actually on skis. And, uh, and I'm we don't coming, judge here, skiing yeah, or snowboarding. We don't I judge. come down the side of the mountain on the Black Diamond, comes it spills out on this thing called the Bear Claw, and I'm coming down into the lodge, and all of a sudden I get sideswiped from the backside, just takes me out, and I could hear this guy who hit me, he's like, ho, 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 but he hit I me, mean, he just blasted me, and 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 we separated from the hit, and he went sort of in his own direction. I was sort of face planted, and then I get picked up by a guy who was like a ski patrol kind of guy, and he mm-hmm. picks me up, and he goes, do you know who you just get, got hit by? And I go, fucking the abominable <laughs> snowman? What the, I don't know. And he's like, uh, that was Robin Williams. And I never met him. I just got blasted by him. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm at- br- an actual brush with fame. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> an actual brush with fame. So I'm at, the, I'm at the improv. Man, it had to be maybe a year now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and some change. But um, I'm at the improv, and he's there to see Joe. And he's in the room, and I can see him in the room. And he comes out just before Joe closes his set out. And I catch him on the way out, and I tell him that story, and he spoke with me for about 20 minutes, and then we had a nice little photograph, which is currently my Facebook profile. Oh, okay, cool. And, uh, and it was the most awesome, one of the most awesome moments I could ever have as a, a spy. Did you time. sign a waiver saying you wouldn't sue him? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's kind of, it's fine, probably yeah. not a good yeah, safety and, patrol and, and, and thing. He knew, he knew about that, too, because he was like, yeah, I was, I was trying to learn how to snowboard, and I was really bad. On the Black Diamond? Uh, it's fine. No, he was on the Bear Claw. <laughs> oh, I was coming claw. off oh, the Black okay. Diamond. I like how you dropped your on the Black Diamond. Yeah. yeah. Well, because I, I was a skier. I knew how to ski. <laughs> yeah. Come on. And I had, uh, and uh, also a, 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 a Joan River story. I like I was, yeah, I was, I was working at the I was working at the Dunes. Mm-hmm. I was over for Sam Kinison. It was a Sam Kinison and the Outlaws of County thing, and we were at the Dunes, and, and Joan Rivers had stopped by. 
And back then, you know, we were doing like a couple months in front of Kinnison, but it was like, the, you know, Sam at that time was at the height of his popularity mm-hmm. and, you know, was the guy that everybody was to come see. You know, I, I think Jimmy Walker mentioned something about it in his book, but I don't ever fucking remember Jimmy Walker stopping by, although <laughs> he threw my fucking name in like we were all fucking sitting around snorting blow like we would never do that in front of fucking Jimmy Walker, you know, <laughs> but he wrote this book and he mentioned, but Joan Rivers, somebody you would remember who stopped by. Right, right. Uh, she stopped by and I have this picture of me and Joni, you know, back before she had all the surgery and stuff. But I have this long hair. It was like this mullet. It was like this Daryl Hall, you know, <laughs> a blue ribbon state fair winning mullet. I will you be know. posting that picture on the page. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I have it somewhere. But uh, uh, but it's uh, but you know, she was super sweet. She yeah. was always I, I, Joan and even Robin seemed like they were always really gracious to people who were up and coming. They mm-hmm. were never. I mean, I don't. I don't think you know if you if you if you approached it the right way they would i think you would you they would always talk with you or have some you know kind words to say so yeah it's you know and there and and it doesn't get much bigger than either one of those two. oh yeah so i mean i think robin was probably the greatest comedian actor he's uh, a performer for I mean, sure the guy no, well, no transcendent transcends many levels i mean perform but i'm just saying i mean some of those roles some of those iconic roles that he did i mean i don't think there's any other comedian they could have pulled those off mm-hmm. i mean moscow and the hudson I mean, uh, you know, Goodwill Hunting. I mean, he's had so many of these uh, great performances. Turned. I mean, even One Hour Photo was, this, yeah. you know, this kind of the whole idea of that movie was people only take pictures of these great happy moments. I mean, nobody's taking pictures at a funeral. You know, people are always taking pictures of weddings and whatnot. And that was the kind of the gist of the, sure. the gist of the movie. And here's a guy who has a, a great wife and a kid, and then they, they're dropping their pictures off to this guy who's developed, and he has no life. And Vicarious, I don't know if anybody's seen the movie. I don't want to be spoiler alert, but they were put, he would put the pictures on the wall and vicariously oh, okay. through this guy's life. And then, uh, you know, something happens and spins him out. But it's, Isn't that Facebook now? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's basically, yeah. It's, it's, it's Facebook the movie. Yeah. It's funny, I was just thinking, I worked in a photo map booth in, you remember those old yellow? Oh, yeah, yeah I bet you had the office Christmas party blue. <laughs> <laughs> you and Edward the fifth. You know, people, can I get my Christmas pictures? Fuck you! Nine people you crammed know, in there. <laughs> but that's what people used to do because they used to. I would make the copies of their photos, and it's yeah. every once in a while some girl would come along trying to get into Playboy or or something, and I would just make a couple prints yeah. for me and my friends. It was, I guess, it's like the. Celebrity leak now. Mine. Yeah, but it was legal at that, that time. No, it's, nice, um, it's nice to know celebrities like to take pictures of the cooch as well. <laughs> as, uh, you know, everybody else. I thought I was the only guy taking pictures of the flesh musket, and you know, but now they're up on my iCloud. You, you, know, <laughs> you hear that, hackers? You want to see the Irish Hammer? Hack Jimmy Schubert's iCloud, right? No, no, I. Uh, um, I've, I've, um, no, I will just say, you know, on the, on the, on the, to finish the point about the dick pics, you know, no <laughs> woman ever really wants to see a fucking yeah, dick pic. I mean, it's not something guys really do. Right. I just you send know? people, uh, I you mean, know, if you Peter gonna, North's penis. Yeah. You know, well, you know, there's just no way. It's just going to look like a shaved chicken, man. It's just not going to look sexy at all. <laughs> I mean, chicks don't want to see that. You right. know? I mean, if you're going to do a photo shoot with your dick, we're talking glamour shots. We're talking yeah. hair, makeup, the letty's got to be right. And I would film mine like they filmed Tom Cruise. I would shoot up on it so it looks bigger uh, well I got red I got red pubes so my shit looks nice, like a, my, my shit looks like a viking actually the director of the show vikings <laughs> takes all of my pictures of my pants put a little hilarious. horn hat on it yeah. right there nice. yeah um Getting back to the loss of Joan Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stay on point, man. Uh, come, come on, people, come on, come stay on, on point. <laughs> go for dick I have never sent a picture of my penis to my wife, and I have been with my wife faithfully for 
what, 10, 12 years or something like the that. The camera doesn't have a wide enough lens for me. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> By the way, yeah, we, just, I, we just lost you know, my mom I, as a I, listener. I just, think it's, I, I just know that it, there's no point in it because chicks don't fucking dig it. I mean, you know, they don't, I'm they don't even like my selfies. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like pictures of me. Yeah. I, mean, I got professional headshots they said that they don't yeah. like it. What do you think you're going to take a fucking picture of my fucking, my fucking morning? They already book, airbrushed me morning. out of the Robin Williams picture. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> I'm surprised at how many women get them, though. Like, unwarranted. I've talked to a few of my friends it's a scandal. It's so like, weird. And they're like, yeah. Well, you, know, they get your num- you don't want to give out your number because you're going to get so a I was talking with a booker that used to book a comedy club. We won't say where it was. But I'm sitting there working, and she said, this other comedian, uh, and this woman's married with three kids. Uh-huh. And this guy says, hey, man, you got a minute, I'm going to show you something. And then text her, uh, it was an IM, shoots her a picture of his uh, his cack. Yeah. And uh, she goes, what the fuck are you doing you fucking lunatic right I mean, like that kind of that should be like an instant sexual harassment thing just instantaneous you know bang, that would bang. be sexual harassment wouldn't it i mean because i mean you can't in the workplace well, well not, not not with this guy's picture it's like you know this guy's hung like a golf pencil right. and he's pictures <laughs> or like a sexual yeah, annoyance getting, you kind of feel sorry for him like like you know, are you raising money for a charity or you can raise money to get a, a larger penis what can i help you with you know but, but he says it i just think that's so fuck to me it's so so creepy and I'm leaving the gig I'm going through Denver and I run into the dude oh, really? who texted her the picture of his fucking penis and I said what the fuck are you doing right I said what the fuck are you doing he goes what, what do you mean I, yeah bro I go bro don't fucking play games here. Yeah. I mean, you're doing it to a woman, and she was a, a very attractive woman. I'm not going to say any names because I don't sure. want to embarrass anybody. No, I understand. But I appreciate uh, that. Very attractive woman, had three kids, married sure. to a dude, running the club. Why would you do that just on the outside chance uh, that she would never book you again? Going, going, you're a fucking scumbag. I don't want you in my club. But, I mean, this guy also had a notorious reputation. As, it was Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, no, no, he had, I would be surprised no, he had a notorious if reputation. He's like being like, uh, you know, you go into clubs and it would be like, you know. It, he was a pervert. Yeah, he's like a okay. super, like a super creep. super creep. He actually had the cape and boots. Yeah. <laughs> it said SC on it. Super creep. I just will, you tell me off, I, will you tell me I, off, Mike, who it was? Sure. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I just have to make a note. <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, I don't even understand the reason for doing it and the popularity. I mean, it just seems like everybody is really into doing it. It happens so frequently. I've know probably about fifteen girls that have told me that story. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I, you know, and I'm not saying a, I'm Mister Fucking. No, but you know what the thing is, know, know how to be hanging around women. I'm sure I've creeped out a couple of women in my day, but I, you know. I, yeah, but you know, here's 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 the thing, dude. I, and when it comes to comedy, I, I always look at it, and it took me a long time. Like I was always funny, but it took me a long time to learn how to become a professional. And when I say become a professional, I take great pride in becoming a professional and showing up, being ready. Mm-hmm. And if you're always ready, you don't have to get ready. You're just ready. You're yeah. always a professional. You can look and assess a room. And I, and I take great pride in being a professional. And I look at my job when I show up at a comedy club. I'm not there to hit on the waitresses. I'm not there. I'm there to do a job. And I'm there. And I enter into a contract with a club owner. I'm going to do everything I can to help you promote and sell tickets. And that's my job. And that's the way I look at it. I look at it like being a lawyer. I'm going to show up. I'm going to do my job. And I'm going to get out of here last thing I want to do is get involved in a fucking long distance relationship with somebody. I mean, I'm in and I'm out. First flight's in, first flight's out. You go there and you do your job and then you get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. You don't fucking sexually harass the dude's waitresses. You don't try to fuck, you know, it's just, I mean, look, you, you do it. I don't know. That's just, that's just been my, 
uh, something that I've worked on my, myself professionally. I, I just don't see the point in it, you know. And a lot of club owners take exception to the fact you're sitting there trying to fuck their waitresses. Oh, yeah. You know, so uh, uh, you, you want to fuck an audience member, by all means, go ahead. <laughs> but I, I don't I don't mix. I don't fucking shit where I eat. I don't dip my, can, my pen. I, and, that, and that was many years ago I did. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I learned my lesson. And I've heard stories about other guys who have crossed the line and never been able to get booked back in clubs and so forth because, you know, the chicks, uh, the girl's a waitress working in a comedy club. Next thing you know, she's a manager of a comedy club, booking a comedy club. Now she's booking all the funny bones. Now she's a manager. At a, and you were the one guy who creeped her out enough that she thought she would never, you'd never get booked back in the club. I mean, you got to be careful who you're dealing with. Oh, yeah. You walk into that environment, I try to be nice and courteous and professional, everybody in there, until they give you a reason not to be. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to forget that it is it is a profession, because it, 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 it's kind of that, you know, and you know what? especially to outside eyes, it's, it, it doesn't look like a job, but it's a job. And the other thing is, too, it's such a small industry. It's, people talk in this industry, and it's you don't realize if you screw up in Chicago, mm-hmm. all those club owners hang out and talk on the phones. They you will they will know about it throughout the industry, like that. Oh yeah. And I've heard stories. I'm sure there's a couple stories on me out there, you know, from back in the day. But I mean, I've heard stories and go, wow, you know, I don't want people talking about me like that. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> you know I mean? And well, you know, like if you think about it, like I, I I learned that early on. I was talking to I heard a booker got fired. And I told one of the managers at the club that a booker from another club got fired. And he's like, oh, really? Shoot. I got to call her. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> like, everybody knows everybody. Yeah. And plus, you talk about owning. The guy who owns the Chicago Improv also owns part of Denver, part of, you know, he owns 10 clubs. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's very incestuous. I mean, if you think about it and you want to break it down, mm-hmm. you really have like eight people booking 80% of the clubs <laughs> in the United States of America. I mean, it's really that small. And with levity, they're and, trying to make that too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and quite frankly, on top of that, you have, uh, you know, I, I mean, how many guys do you know? I mean, I was having this conversation with Dom Herrera about how many guys do you know? I mean, it's a very small group of guys who are out there headlining a comedy clubs. I mean, you know them all. Mm-hmm. It's a handful of guys that do it at a high level that you know. I mean, it's kind of, uh, it really is kind of an incestuous, very small business, and everybody talks in this business. So, oh, yeah. I mean, people think you're going to get away with something, and you're not, because people will tell 10 people and 20 people, next thing you know, you're on a cover of Middle Act magazine with a fucking, <laughs> you know, triple ripple vibrating butt plug hanging out of your fucking leather Cheerio. You know what I mean? You know, hey, you know, Middle Act ruins party or something. You know, I, I don't, I don't, again. Again. <laughs> you know I, mean? I don't know what I'm mean, doing. I don't even, again. I mean, when I've been out on the road, I, I think that it's, it's easy to stay away from the wait staff, quite frankly, because if you're doing a good enough job, you know, you should be having, you know, sort of your pick, I think, ultimately, you know? Look, I didn't get into it for that. I got into it to be funny. I got into it to be a professional comedian. I do it. I got into it. Uh, you know, some guys got into it to get laid and run a fucking bar tap. Maybe early on I was like that, but, you know, in the last uh, 15, 20 years, I've not, uh, I've not conducted myself that way. Uh, I mean, I'm always with a girlfriend, so it's hard. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I, you, you know, know quite, I mean? quite frankly, I don't. I mean, I don't. The, the last thing I know, I know what happens. I know what happens. You meet somebody in fucking North Carolina, you have a great fucking weekend, and then you're not going to see them for another year. And right. then you, you waste a lot of money on the phone, and, 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 and who knows? I mean, I'm just saying, you don't want to. I just don't want to be in a long distance relationship. I don't. I, you know, I go in, I get out. I don't want to. I don't want to be in a short-distant relationship. Hey, everybody. This is Therapy Talk with Mike Cassantini. Where did you get your start, Mike? I haven't had you on here. we got to find out a little bit about uh, uh, the red-headed Italian, which I'm already dubious. I know. I'm already dubious. You and my brother, the 
only two redheaded Italians I know. Something happened at the hospital. Um, I uh, started in San Francisco Bay Area oh, right. uh, in the early 2000s, and I really just got my feet wet. You know, I didn't um, really put that much time in San Francisco to uh-huh. call it my home, but it was where I got, you know, my first performance times and, you know, sort of working out material and stuff. I made that quick trip to Los Angeles. And uh, was pretty quick to get onto the uh, the improv stage, um, and you know I basically just learned a real fat lesson that I came to Los Angeles too soon. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> and I never went back because it it just didn't make sense for me to go back. But what I tell people now when I speak with them, you know, uh, that are getting their first round here. I always tell them to go back to where they came from and work their shit out for at mm-hmm. least five, six years before they make that transition. Maybe even longer. Sure. You know, because it's uh, L.A. is a tough place to play. Yeah, man. You know, the thing is, also, just to add to your point, uh, you know, I mean, I, you know, you you come out here to L.A., people think they get into comedy because they think it's easy or they think it's some kind of shortcut. And I'm going, it's only the toughest fucking like, thing seriously. you're ever going to do in your life. I don't think people realize. I mean, when you watch comedians on, uh, you know, I was just at Flappers this week and they did mm-hmm. the, the birthday party. They had uh, they had about got 15 guys going up and do five minutes. And I mean, there was not a weak link on that show. I mean, all the guys are, just, uh, it was amazing. And and, just like, and, every, and everybody was banging it. I'm going, you know, the, these guys guys are all polished professionals yeah. i mean this and but they make it look easy mm-hmm. i mean you're watching this show going boy this guy anybody could do that guy the guy's up there and he seems like he's just talking people don't i don't think people realize the extent of work that goes into it like you know i mean you're talking about 10 years of work mm-hmm. and doing it almost every night of your life to get good enough to be able to make a living well doing the game it. the game has changed though i mean when you the reason why i'm growing this fucking beard is because uh, you know the alt scene is just you know a, a weird thing i almost i want to get into the alt scene just so i can and say here's an alternative I'm about to tell jokes because that's what I feel like <laughs> she's right going now. undercover you know? an undercover <laughs> yeah. investigation with Mike exactly. Gazzettini man's going to grow an Al-Qaeda beard infiltrate the alt scene in Los Angeles exactly. and then take him down and take then take him down. down and tell jokes Fuck. and just, just cause a riff inside right. the alt scene in exactly. Los Angeles <laughs> no but I mean that's the Claire Danes no, is going to show up the, and track you down no when you, when I came into 2000 up until about 2005 there was the old structure in LA specific, right? And now I just I feel like that's that's totally changed. And the only time you really get a, you know, to play comedy is outside of town. You know, I, I gotta be honest. With you, everybody likes to put fucking labels on shit. Yeah. You know, it's like you know you got these deaf comedy jams, these Latino nights. You know the the chopstick comedy nights out here. They all have these very ethnic kind of comedy nights where mm-hmm. you look, man. You can do that if you want to, but you're you're kidding yourself. And the all scene look. Funny is funny is funny is funny. You want to be a stand-up comedian? You want to do it at a high level? You can do whatever you want. I, I'm just saying. Look, there's there's room for everybody to do what they do. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when you get out there in Middle America and people are paying twenty five dollars to come see your ass at a comedy club, you better, better have be jokes. you better have jokes. Yeah, you better be dropping LOLs up on that piece because I'm telling you, it, it's not going to work. It's just, I mean, what plays in New York and LA does not play in the middle of the country. And I'm sorry, they want to come, they want to laugh, and. Uh, so you could do whatever you want to do, but mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I, I don't I don't really get involved in all the politics of that. No, I don't like the politics. I just hate the fact that, you know, I came to Los Angeles to perform comedy and the club scene in Los Angeles has moved towards this alternative reality that doesn't allow me to play. It just, you know, because I don't fit the structure of what that is. So I only really get 
you know, the fun out of doing stand-up comedy when I'm away from Los Angeles. Well, yeah, me too. That's why I was at Irvine last night. Yeah. I will be at Irvine on Wednesday, and I'll be at the Ice House next weekend. Exactly. You know, I was at Melrose last week, which was great. Yeah. But that was a hustle. You yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah, it's just... Uh, you got to get out, man. You got to get out. And you're never going to, when I'm not saying you, I'm saying the overall you in case any young, com- I know I have a bunch of young comics who listen to this show. Um, you're never going to get good doing five minutes at a time. So stay where well, you're you at. Well, you know, Mike made a point. I mean, you know, you really, I mean, people come, people want to, are in such a rush. And that's the problem with this thing is you cannot force this. Right. You cannot force comedy. I don't care what it, it's just, it, you just have to immerse yourself in it and do the work. You can't, you know, you can like buy jokes and, and pretend like you, but it, it just doesn't work. I mean, you're not going to have until you've done it five to I would say seven years at least. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have the, the the confidence or the capabilities on stage that are that a real headliner does. You're just not. Yeah. And but but you know, in L.A., you have these actors who think they can do comedy. I mean, you got Meta World Peace. This Laker comes up there and hosts shows. I'm going to look. The <laughs> Lakers ain't call me in off the bench to pop in. You know, three pointers. I mean, why is this guy dipping his wick in my profession? I mean, you know, I, I get it. There's an attractiveness about it, and people like it. But you know, don't don't fucking kid yourself for right. a second. And, and in lieu of getting you know acting work, you're going to become a comedian. It doesn't fucking work like that. You know, the, it, it 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 is a it is a. I don't know. Like to me, it's like breathing air. I mean, if I couldn't do this, I don't know what I would do. Sure. And I felt that way. I felt that. I felt this way for a long time. I love it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. I'm not. And I've been doing it for a long time. I'm not bitter. I'm not jaded. I don't even have a fucking ego about it. I just love doing what I love to do. I don't care about a fucking alt scene. I don't care about whatever. I mean, I create my own fucking sure. breaks in life, and I just do what I do. I I just. I know what you're saying, though, but I mean, you can't you can't get involved in all the mm-hmm. the, the stupidity of it. I mean, you know, there's and there's really different elements, and there's enough for everybody to get a piece of it. I mean, you know, there's there's, there's those guys are playing to a very specific demographic. It's the big bang demographic mm-hmm. is what they're playing to. I mean, that's right. not my crowd, right? I mean, that was a thing I like. We called. did the Madhouse. I love those crowds down there at the yeah, Madhouse. Yeah, well, you know, you get outside. You, well, that's why I yeah. love Flappers. I mean, Flappers, you go to Flappers. I mean, that's like a real road audience in L.A. It's mm-hmm. because it's quickly becoming one of my favorite clubs just because the quality of the audience is out there. And Boy, I, there's a, it's a comedy club in Burbank, and if there was ever a club destined to fail, it would have been Flappers just from where it's centered you know, it's run by comics, but it's flourishing. Yeah, it's yeah because because comics love playing it. And you know what? And they treat you nice out there. Yeah, and they got a great menu, and they feed you, and they take care of you. And you don't feel like you're you don't feel like you're in the way. Get out of the way. <laughs> you're working asshole. You know what I mean? I I just don't feel that way there. And uh, you know, they do what they did a Monday night with Jim Jeffries did the eight o'clock show. Bill Burr showed up and did the ten o'clock show. Mm-hmm. Fucking amazing. Sold out both shows. It was that's like great. you know that's the. I mean, but you know, I don't understand why you don't have uh, you know some of these other guys doing. The main room at the comedy store like that well now that the tommy tommy uh the town coordinator has been let go uh they're kind of reworking some yeah. things over there so a lot of that main room at the store would be amazing if it actually could be something again yeah you know definitely. what i mean because it's such a beautiful room man yeah it's, not, a, it's a beautiful room you don't have it's, to change anything with that room just put se- people in the seats that's, mm-hmm. that's all you got to do mm-hmm. and the story and put like you know i used to watch carlin come in there when carlin was working his new hour i, mean, I, I did the carlin. door for carlin yeah, yeah dude i used to watch Dude, man, Rob Williams and Sam Kinison mm-hmm. improv over there on the stage. I mean, just like the couple of Jedi sparring. 
I mean, you sit in the back and you watch Paul Mooney. I mean, you yeah. watch some of the, and we watch Richard Pryor come in with like, hey, hey, he's like nothing. He would just go up on stage and talk for like five to seven minutes. And like four months later, the dude's doing 45 minutes to just polished piece of comedy. <laughs> go, man. I mean, you get to watch his process. I mean, to me, that was like my college. I started there. That's my club. Yeah. I don't care and what you got started there. Good at a good time too yeah. in the eighties, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I got there about I got there right about like nineteen eighty five. But I mean, it was all. I mean, it was you know there was Dice and Damon Wayans. I mean, you know, no, freaking Gary Shandling was in there. Freaking Louisiana. I mean, just all these amazing kind of guys that are like they've all. I mean, you just got to sit in the back and watch them. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's better than that? I mean, that's like that's like the best comedy college of all. Yeah. How know? did uh, How did you get hooked up with uh, I had the Outlaws? Cook. <laughs> <laughs> we judge not here. But how did you hook up with the? I had Alan Steven on not too long ago. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was Alan Steven. I'll tell you something right now. I, uh, I, uh, let me tell you something. Uh, that's when I shot out the TV with a gun. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Perfect facial expression of Alan Steven, by the way. Yeah, no, thank you. I, I spent some time with Alan Steven. We we're, we're all on a bus together tour with Sam Kinison. Oh man. Yeah. I, uh, that's good. How was uh, how was Alan? Have Alan? Alan's good. Alan's got a thousand stories of course he does yeah 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 so it's uh he's been around he can't be around a game and not have a thousand stories I mean, you know <laughs> stuff happens and uh he wasn't too uh shy on uh sharing the, the shit on the people either which i normally don't have on this podcast but uh yeah i let well, him go <laughs> i let him go yeah. yeah let me tell you something else about arliss <laughs> <laughs> listen i gotta talk about uh we've Shat upon, and I say we, meaning the collective of the comedians who have been on this podcast, um, Last Comic Standing, a lot. And I've had a, a lot of the finalists on here. And um, But I have to say, the season that they read, they read this season, I thought, was 10 times better. And Jimmy made it really far in, and you were my vote to the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, how was that experience of this? Well, it's interesting. Comic? You know, I can understand why comics shit on it, but this season was different. Yeah. I, I mean, I, first yeah. off, because they wanted to, you know, you had Wanda Sykes and Paige Hurts at the helm, mm-hmm. and both who have done stand up comedy. And, you know, Wanda Sykes has done it, you know, I mean, she works all the time as sure. an actor, also as a stand up. I thought they did a great job. I thought they gave it the respect it deserved because, mm-hmm. uh, again, you know, you have, you didn't have to sleep on a sidewalk, you know, for right. 12 hours and go in between, you know, a guy in a chicken outfit. Which a was all couch. show, by the way. Well, it's all, which is all stupid. Yeah. Well, no, they, they, in the first, you know, few seasons there in the front, you know, this was the standalone season, but in the first, they, they wanted to embarrass comedy. It was constantly like, let's just showcase. Yeah, like you're a clown in the plainclothes division, yeah. and we're going to make you out to look like soggy to fucking dunk tank clown. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. did not do that this season. They did not. And, if, and furthermore, they didn't make anybody look bad in it. No. I mean, you know, some of those challenges were tough. I mean, I, I was involved in it, man. I, I got to tell you. I've been doing a long time, and there was a lot of pressure involved in that stuff. I mean, yeah. you, you know, the, so I thought the opening challenge that 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 eliminated me and Ida Rodriguez was a very tough challenge. Which was that challenge? Was, that was the, the sketch challenge. That was the sketch okay. challenge because the sketch itself had to be written for a guy or a girl, uh, a white person or a black. It had to be a very nondescript, non-generic thing mm-hmm. that you were able to take over, and. Uh, and and that, I talked to you, Fink, one of the writers, because that was the challenge because we didn't know who would be playing what parts. Oh, he was and, working on it. Yeah, yeah, you Fink was working oh, on he's it. He's been and, on and, my show. And, I love and, you. And, and Jeff Stilson. So I thought, you know, they did a great job with with that element of it. So mm-hmm. I mean, I understand, but it's also a notoriously 
seems like a notoriously fixed competition. Sure. It seems like, you know, in, in years past, it's been notoriously fixed or they're looking for, and they didn't open the voting to anybody mm-hmm. on this competition, not, not, not to the public. Was not, it just the three? Was it just, just Rose? The, well, it was just based on just based on their thing. It was just based on what they said, but even their judging had no criteria. We're given 10 points for this. We're given 10 points for this and 10 points for this. There was no criteria there. Huh. It was just like... You know they did what they did. So, sure. so who made the final decision? Was it those three? Was yeah, it, it was Roseanne those three. And- those three. And, and you know, okay. and we talked about this too on, on the, my podcast, the Jimmy Schubert Show. Uh, one we don't the, plug other podcasts. Yeah, no, sorry. No, <laughs> we do do that. Uh, no, but one of the things me and Mike talk about. One of the genuine moments of this season was when Joe Mackey was going against Monroe Martin, and they had to keep coming back and doing another joke because the judges couldn't decide between the two. I thought that was an authentic moment. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, I, I missed that. That was a real authentic moment in the competition. I thought you had to be prepared for it. But people don't realize you have to come up with those sets. They have to be written verbatim, word for word, and you have to get a th- uh, approval from the network before you do any stand-up on network television. Wasn't even on last comic, last comic standing. You don't go up there and go do what you want. You have to submit that. As like a week, a week out, maybe two weeks out to get it approved. So you're I working didn't know on that. Yeah, no. and the faster you get them approved, the quicker you can start working on them. And you're going to make adjustments, and you're going to do stuff on the fly, and you're going to leave out a line and forget a line here and there. And because it, it is, it's a, it's an extreme amount of pressure. And then you're doing these challenges in a place like the UCB theater, mm-hmm. which is a tiny little theater. And then you're going to put camera equipment in there. So you're going to lose a couple seats anyway. So now you're doing these very small and they're paid audiences. These aren't legitimate. Sure. These are not legitimate audiences. These are paid professional audiences because they're going to be there for six hours for a taping. So you're not really getting the authentic reaction you'd get from a real comedy audience. Right. But that's the game. I mean, you know, you when you when you get down to the 10, it becomes a reality show. It becomes the real Housewives of the Last Comic Standing. And I have to tell you, one of the creepiest things, and not only was I creeped out about it, but Joe Mackey was creeped out mm-hmm. about it, DC Benny was, Rocky Laporte was, and said, I'm funnier than. Right. I'm funnier than. And, you know, Lachlan Patterson had a, had a great a uh, lot of fun with it, you know, but it it's, I don't like doing that. That's not in my nature. I, I always hated that. I, about you, that. you know, I mean, it, it's, but you got to do it. It makes you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It makes you uncomfortable to do that because I've worked with these people. I've worked, you know, Ida's done shows with me. I've had Lockton on the road with me. I mean, you got to. Well, yeah. I, I think the purpose of that from a reality show standpoint was to create drama and I, in and inner, amongst the talent, right? right? And I just don't feel it did do that. I felt that it was rushed over. It was, it was not purposeful. They could still do a competition show without having that element in play. In no, but they opinion. want it. They want no, they, they want sure. it. Didn't like, cause, it didn't cause any drama. Well, you know, well then, then that is certainly your opinion. Uh, it, it created conflict within me as a human being mm-hmm. and it created conflict within some of the other contestants. It was not comfortable to do. And I don't care what anybody says. I mean, I, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, and then of course you, you, I, you know, I was just looking at the competitions. We lost the competition. Whose performance did we lose the competition on? And and it happened to be Ida Rodriguez. I mm-hmm. thought fumbled a little bit, but nobody did that challenge great. Sure, nobody. Did, in my opinion, I thought, and that's who I was voting for. But she also happened to be a girl. She also happened to have the least amount of experience with anybody. So then it makes it look like you're bullying Ida. But I wasn't the only one to vote for Rocky and DC did because they felt the same way. I mean, Rocky was a set piece on the sketch, and it kind of bobbled it a little mm-hmm. bit. But I, I mean, you know, and I'm not bad mouthing Ida. I think she's a you know great comic. She's worked her ass off. I have a lot of respect for her. It's a tough business. I mean, she, you know, I'm not you know, but it was just based solely on that. Right. But then it looks like you're ganging up on a girl comic, and it wasn't that wasn't the case at all. It was just yeah. like, look, I can't vote for five people, so who do I vote for? I got to vote for the person who I thought was 
the weakest link on the sketch. And that's what it came down to. But then they tried to score that to make it look like there was some drama in. Sure, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And, you know, Anita said the same thing. She said that about me on national television. Jimmy didn't listen. I'm going, what are you talking about? I did listen. I mean, I was I, I, the guy who sat in the anchor desk on that sketch had to carry most of that sketch. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Rodman voted for me because he wanted the other anchor desk. And now that I thought about it, I should have put him on there. He probably could have handled it a little better. Right. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. That was the hardest challenge in the whole show. I agree with you. 100%. That challenge was they went backwards. Instead of heightening the challenge, the challenge started out the hardest and became weaker and weaker as it went along. Instead of becoming instead of getting <laughs> the easiest challenge to get the harder yeah, and yeah. harder and harder and I and I agree with you but and plus you, there's a little known fact that no most people don't know just because you're a comedian doesn't mean you can do sketch exactly stand up comedian also, is different than sketch comedy and also you know they're turning cue cards and you know they're not flipping them as fast mm-hmm. or they're flipping them a little slower mm-hmm. to kind of screw you up on purpose I mean they do not play fair in reality television oh, yeah, like sure. and everybody had problems with that sketch let's mm-hmm. not kid each other I mean some people performed better in it than other people did but it was a 15 minute sketch and you showed 30 seconds of uh, uh, you know a screw up because I'm trying to read the guy's cue cards right, right. and he's turning them too slow so I'm looking at the other guys they had cue cards over here and they had cue cards up here you know you're trying to figure it out and they're taping it for live television <laughs> so there's a little bit of pressure you're not doing something you're not used, used to doing sure. you got two hours to get ready to do it you're doing it with four people you've never really worked with before and they're strong so they're going I'm not really strong at sketch <laughs> really strong at sketch what part do you want to do and we're trying to figure it out I would have done the whole thing in gibberish how very Sid Caesar of you. Thank you. <laughs> and it would have been, uh, yeah, but so, so yeah, I, I think that, I think what the last comic standing did was it put uh, comedy on display on primetime television. I thought people really dug it. I thought people out of this comedy club coming into their living room yeah. and the numbers were high. That's why they renewed it for the next season. I think what's good for comedy is great for comedians. And I think, you know, like people's careers have their ups and downs. Mm-hmm. I think comedy has its ups and downs. And right sure. now comedy is on a big upswing. And I think everybody's benefiting from the it. The three things that I liked about this last comic standing, very specific three things. One, I enjoyed the fact that they had an episode devoted to the hundred jokes, the top hundred jokes. Yeah, I and thought that was really cool. Comedians who weren't on the show, who who maybe they were in that front, you know, first five minutes and and or not. I mm-hmm. saw a lot of people I didn't get to see in the show that I know. I thought that was a great. Uh, so they um, gave a lot of exposure to people, to people who, who didn't make the semifinals yeah, or the, the finals, which also I thought, great, yeah. great move. I, I thought, thought that was great. a great the move. Second, I agree 100. The second thing that you can't, you know, look away from is the obvious: the three judges, because these were by far the best three judges you could have. It's Ju- going to be hard to top it next judges year. Judges you could respect. Yeah, sure. I'm interested to see who they go with next round. And the third thing that I would say, and, and, and forgive me if I'm wrong on this, but I feel like I'm, I'm right, is that all of the top five had 15 plus years of stand-up comedy experience. Was I, am I right with that? Lachlan Vin hasn't been doing he's it. He's 15. Yeah, he, 15, yeah, he 15 he's yeah. 10, isn't he? I know no, no, Lachlan. He's been doing it 15 years. Okay, I know Lachlan Lachlan's, really well. Lachlan's been doing it 15 years. Okay. Carr was 15, uh, 16. Car, Nicky's Carr was 17 years. 17. Uh, Rodman's Rod. been doing it about 20 years. Yeah, yeah. DC Benny was one of the top 10. He's been doing it 26. Sure. Rocky's been doing it 25 years. I've been doing it 25 years. I mean, you know, all almost all the comedians on that show had a very deep 
uh, you know, a deep bench of material. They've been doing it for sure. a long yeah, time. Yeah, it was definitely and, not the Dat fan situation. Right. That's what I liked about this. Well, kind of, I will probably score points with Mike Castini here. Uh, is when you look in that back green room of the people who didn't make it, it's like the little alt darlings that Hollywood was like, oh, well, she's on such and such. We got to give her time. Gone, didn't even make it. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, well, that, I liked. I looked at it. And I'm and I read. I remember I got the list early on. And I'm like, fuck yeah, Schubert should be on there. Fuck yeah, Rocky Laporte should be on there. Yeah, DC Benny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, so, so that that's the one thing I did dig about it. They gave because that show, like, it gives breaks to like they did the top hundred and they gave a bunch of uh, yeah. a lot of airtime to people. Uh, Billy Wayne Davis, mm-hmm. uh, Tony, even uh, the internet, yeah. even the internet. Who's, who was your favorite, too. Tony Woods? Tony Woods? Uh, oh, no, Tony Baker. Tony Baker. Tony Baker, Tony Baker, Tony is, Baker. My, is my pick for top five next year. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I told him that last night, by the way. He goes, really? I go, yeah, man, you should do it. He goes, I've been thinking about it. But anyway, uh, I think that uh, that uh, they went with more established comedians. And I, I think aside from giving all the top 100 jokes and all that exposure to those folks, but it also should be for giving a guy like Rocky Laporte a shot or yeah. giving Jimmy Schubert a little attention or giving Rodman or Lachlan because they've all been doing it. Nikki Carr, I mean, Monroe Martin, I mean, Carlos Miller. I mean, at some mm-hmm. point, they liked all these folks and all these folks were very deserving of a shot. And even the people in the top 100, I mean, they were very specific. I mean, you get down to the top 10, you're casting a TV show. Yeah. But I thought, but it's a talent-driven to, to, you know, you can't go out and sing someone else's songs. You are writing material mm-hmm. as you're going through that, and uh, I, I have, I'm not mad at the experience of it. I thought it was a great experience. I'm glad they brought it back. I'm glad they're doing it again. It's going to be an interesting thing, and they're going to try to. I think they're going to try to make it better than it was this this past year. And this past year, I thought was the best year. If they make improvements on it, I think it'll be something special to build. And I think it's great for comedians. Yeah, I mean, you know, awesome. I would recommend it to anybody who has that kind of exposure and is ready to do it. It's seven. Four minute and thirty second TV clean sets ready, and uh, try to get on the show because it's it's just it's just uh you know it's a big audience it's mm-hmm. eight million nine million people every week tuning in and they run it twice a week and it, you know I just happened to get lucky because I was on the premiere episode then my David Tell comedy underground hit and then they reran it on Monday and then I was on Stars stand up I was I had oh, like right. you know four national television spots inside seven days and it just kind of boosted me up I went from like I went from like thirteen hundred Twitter followers to like fifty five hundred Twitter followers like that you know likes on the fan page everything went up you know, your your money goes up on the road you're getting better gigs you're getting gigs you never got before mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's it's a comedy's in an upswing man yeah and, and it, you know, you know it's interesting to see you know the 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 opportunities that are out there right yeah. now yeah boy i tell you I, I, just to reiterate the point of the quality of stand up on this last last comic was i was working over at nbc during the last version of the during the last episode of the first version and um somebody gave me a you know here's the comics these are really good this year and i popped in the dvd and it was like people barely off the open mic scene in la yeah i'm like i I, she what she what she do last time i saw her she was at an open mic before the improv you know what i mean so really the step up in quality of comedy and definitely with wanda running it i think i think it's a good time i think well you know the other thing is too is you know you got if in order to make it deep in that competition you got to have a lot of material yeah and you got to have a lot of i mean because you don't realize i mean you're doing hey i got this joke mackie was unbelievable with pulling them jokes i mean mean, he he is slinging jokes Mm -hmm. like old school style they were like and they were like they were 
were edgy yeah. and smart that jokes. Monroe, that Monroe moment, boy, when he was just like, all right, you got one joke left, bing, boom, and it was and it just was, done. It was, it was it like, was, yep. That, that's it, top that. Yeah. And it was, then it was like, it was, okay, now we've made our decision. But I mean, I got a lot of, I mean, Joe Mackey, I mean, you look- Interesting character. Uh, mm-hmm. you, like a human cartoon. Right. Uh, like, a, like a real life Pinocchio. Yeah. Hey, but he really talks like that. It's not an act. I mean, you guys from State College, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. he's, uh, you know, he's a super nice kid. I mean, I, you know, I was really happy for those guys. I mean, you know, I, I, it was uh, all those guys. If they use this, will it will change their careers and I, alter the trajectory of their career. Speaking of that, I liked the diversity, for lack of better words, in approach to comedy that that they had. Yeah. You know, because well, Jimmy Schubert is nowhere near Joe Mackey, is nowhere near DC Benny, is nowhere near like, not in level, but in style. Yeah, that's right. it. I, I like. Well, there were different styles. styles yeah, I like. I mean, you know, you can't do that you can't comedy is not oh we're gonna need but i mean there was really no uh latinos i mean i didn't notice a lot of latinos in, uh, true, yeah. in, in, in the top uh in the semifinals there were mm-hmm. 11 african-american women there were only three white chicks in the in the semifinals i mean you you know you did, there was diversity sure but uh, i mean what well, i didn't know there was not a lot of asian dudes there was mm-hmm. that indian kid named elon mitron who i dropped down into the online competition with i mean i don't even know how that kid just clobbered everybody beat everybody hands down <laughs> Like I'm going, you know, one phone call back to India, and if it's you versus a hundred thousand IT guys, you know, back. I will write the algorithm. I will write the algorithm. I'm gonna crush. You know, he's like seventy four to twenty nine percent. I looked at DC Betty was getting, you know, just crushed. I'm going, this kid. I what's going on here? Something's not right. But I mean, that's you know, you get to the online competition. It's a different demographic. Yeah, it's a popularity contest. But whatever. I'm, I use diversity. I wouldn't wrong. trade I what I. Styles. Yeah, but I wouldn't have. I wouldn't trade what I got out of the program versus what he got out of sure. the program. And you know, and and. and and, uh, you know, even D.C. Benny, I mean, was a guy who was working on his real estate license, and now he's got his career back, mm-hmm. which is what he wanted. I mean, Rocky's got like 20 grandkids. He's out there working the road, making yeah, yeah. a little more money and, and getting in some gigs. So, I mean, it, it worked out for everybody. And and I, and I you know, when you and Paige said, just trust us. We won't make you look bad. And they oh, did. Nice. And they didn't. And they really did. I thought they did everybody justice. I yeah. thought it was great. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm yeah, there was it. only one bad look moment, and that was Ben Cronenberg, unfortunately. Yeah, but you know what? That, and that's the thing. You talk about an alt moment. You talk about yeah. the guy comes out and thinks he's. Like, because here's the thing that pisses me off about that. There's a thousand people who would have traded places with Ben Cronenberg for that spot and actually taken it seriously and gone out to do something. You know, Ben Cronenberg pulled the hipster fucking douchebag move. Like, I can't compete on this level with these people so i'm just gonna wipe my ass with the moment and that's what he did and it's a bullshit thing are you fucking playing for real mm-hmm. or are you being a fucking asshole i mean if you can't step up if you can't do it then why show up you know rock out with your cock out or get the fuck out right. jam out with your clam out or get the ham out you know what i mean <laughs> fall out with your ball out or get it all out is all i'm fucking saying here's but, my uh, only problem with ben cronenberg is if you're gonna do that fucking do it with your own joke he opened with uh, I, uh, Russell Peters was right he, it's an old joke he opened it's with not, a joke that not, wasn't his yeah. and he didn't even deliver it that well yeah and, and, and I gotta be honest with you and then he had an attitude about it yeah and, and you know you, I, I mean go I thought it was fucking bullshit I thought it was bullshit and they were right to call him out on it and make him look like a fucking but he was the only one if you look back mm-hmm. at the tapes they did not do that to anybody else, but they made a point it was kind of that was savvy from a production standpoint and, and look, and, like, and look, if you're gonna fuck around 
this is what it's going to look like, jackass. And, yeah. you know, yeah. I would never do And I'll tell you what, and some of those people did not have some of those sets in the semifinals. They didn't have the best sets. They didn't make them look bad. No. They yeah. showed that the, they, they were sh- trying. They showed, they did not, they didn't make anybody look bad. Yeah, so, they were trying so, hard so, enough. And, and, and good win, for them. Good, good on Paige yeah. and good on Wanda because, you know, it doesn't serve you to make anybody look bad. I mean, you want to create some fake drama, and that's fine, but it doesn't, it doesn't, didn't serve you to make anybody look bad. I thought they made everybody look pretty good. Yeah. I, and, and the show did, will win if you class up comedy, if you make it look like, you know, this is the real business yeah you know? i agree mm-hmm. and so so i you know people may have shit on other seasons of it but i thought this season was the best season i think they're going to improve on this season i think it's going to come back i think you're going to see more guys like rock and the port and dc bunny in this mm-hmm. season i Some think professional time. like the the, the veteran headliners so, yeah because because they already set the bar that high the veteran so headliners then, then can, i'm sorry not to yeah. cut you up but you could then not come back with less quality the second season i told those guys i told Paige and wanda i said i had so many guys when you guys picked rocky and DC Benny, because a lot of guys thought, "Well, I'm too old for this. They're never going to pick me." Right. Well, now you've set that bar, and I said, "Now you're going to you're going to have guys coming out of the woodwork." Well, that's what I was about the, to say. Yeah. Exactly. Like, like, because that's the deal. The veterans that you would want to be on that show prior to this season looked back at the show and go, "That's a fucking bullshit joke. Why would I do that?" I have absolutely no interest in doing that. This season, I really believe that veterans, you know, the the people that are leading the pack in the headlining community, mm-hmm. are going to want to go out on that show. I agree with you 100. Yeah. percent I think they should because it's a great thing for your career. It's a great feather in your cap. I mean, I just uh, sent a set into the night show and they said they love the set and we're just kind of working on a date to figure it out. As you know, they're kind of a little backlogged over there, but I sure. got the night show out of it and we're going to work on some other things. And I, I think it, it's good. It's, I mean, of all the 25 years I've been doing this, I've been in movies and television shows and this, that, and the other thing. And then you get on a show like Last Comic Standing and it just kind of explodes. I mean, the difference between my summer this summer and my summer last summer, it's night and day. It's yeah. not even close. I was sitting there, I was dusting off my old fucking sequin fucking, uh, uh, fucking G-string, getting ready to go down to fucking Chippendales on Pale and Chubby Night and fucking earn my keep. And then I, fucking, and then I, get, a, and then I get a break and fucking... Don't, don't <laughs> knock Pale and Chubby Night, man. There, uh, there's hey, a line around hey, the block. You're coming to the stage right now. Put your hands together for Pinky. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's fucking... Uh, but, uh, but no, so you can say... But it's... Uh, you know, uh, comedians often have a tendency to shit on things when when in reality it's, it's good for them. I mean, comedians, you know, get used to making their own decisions and, and they're left in charge of their kind of own careers. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you shouldn't be doing that. You should have people that are advising you to do this. I mean, like, you know, comedians get pissed at club owners all the time. And I have to tell them, look, there's some guys out there that are fucking douchebags. But you have to realize at the end of the day, this guy is such a big fan of comedy. He's opened this establishment. Mm-hmm. He's created this establishment. So guys like you can go there and fucking work. And he's a businessman. He's got to make money. He's got to pay wait staff. He's got to pay, you know, I mean, if you can fill those seats, you're going to get paid. But, you know, at the end of the day, you have to realize, okay, he may be not your kind of human being, but at the same time, he's also created an environment for you to go in and make a living on. So they're not all fucking douchebags. Right. And, and, you know, you you, you you know you live this entitled sense. You have these entitled sensibilities. Oh, I should be getting it. And they go, well, fucking put asses in the seats, and then you can tell people what you get. But, you know, comedians have a tendency to, like, shit on things that, they, that are really, at the end of the day, fucking great for them or, sure. or, or ruin relationships with club owners because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you just don't get along. But I always say the best way to fuck up people that, like that is to take their fucking money to show and sell out the joint and take all the fucking money yeah and leave them holding the fucking bag you know i mean that's i you know that's the fucking gig man you mm-hmm. know i learned it took me a while but i finally learned a few years back man don't shit on things that can help you yeah. you know i have people on this comics come on this podcast and don't take it seriously or come in and phone it in or fucking check their 
fucking text while I'm talking to him. Those fucking the assholes. F- <laughs> Who would do that? Who would fucking do that? Who would come in here and do that shit while you're sitting there doing a podcast? Hey, you ought to throw them the hell out of here, Mary. Someone would set up and come in here and sit here and have a conversation and people are buried in their phone texting people fucking, you know, trying to assure their next fucking meeting that they're going to be there on time. Where do these people get off? Yeah, my Just girlfriend kidding. hates it when I'm having sex with her. Uh, yeah. But seriously, but, I, but people have come on... <laughs> People have come on this podcast and phoned it in, and then I emailed them the comments yeah. and the emails I get, and they fucking, oh, can I come back and do it again? I'm so sorry. I mean, yeah. don't. Well, yeah, you know, it's. I was just having this conversation with a real good friend of mine who's got a PhD, and he kind of works with comedians. He's a great writer. Mm-hmm. And he was just saying, you know, things, you know, this is a business. You have to realize at the end of the day, this is a business. You have to look at this, and you make these decisions based on, you know, you got to get into this selfish, like, you know, the egotistical, like, you know, why, you know, you got to go, hey, let's fucking lose that. What do I want to do? How do I accomplish that? And how, you know, there's, there's, there's templates. You look at everybody's career go whose career you know you can put that template right over your life and just follow those procedures and hopefully you mm-hmm. know it works out for you but mm. anyway hey listen uh we got to wrap things up i know jimmy's got to get to a sh- There's no all nasty i just want to make ones. sure we got off on the i wanted to talk about last comic standards yeah no, no but that I'm, I'm glad you did because i i uh i am i really thought i'm really glad they brought it back and i and i thought you i agree with you 100 they thought that they did, they did a great job with it mm-hmm. this year and you and, looked and great they're already out there looking for the, the contestants for next season i mean they got a showcase on the 15th and 16th of september uh so my buddy got pawned off on in the san francisco they're, yeah, going, yeah. they're doing some up there so comics from around the country i'm sure they're going to be looking at a bunch of comedians they're going to be looking at top notch talent figure out if they're coming to your city give yeah, you yeah. seven minute seven seven four minute and 30 second sets together and go out there <laughs> write them up have them written up and, at and, a time. you know and show up man show up in a chicken suit and do your time you know, <laughs> like, a, like a real pro all right man all right listen, i got a, i got a couple announcements uh before we get into yourself uh i am coming to the podcast festival this year um 11 o'clock on a Friday night. So if you're coming out, I'm going up against Death Squad, and we know they have a huge following. So um, if you're not into MMA stuff, uh, come see my show. <laughs> and we're going to have lots of drop-ins. I'm gonna, I promise I'll have lots of drop-ins. But also, they're, they're streaming live from the festival this year. So you can, you can buy... If you can't make it, let's say you're living in Canada and you can't make it to the festival, str- you can buy... Uh, a streaming thing and you can watch the whole festival and there's going to be codes so if you're a fan of this show when you buy yours put in the code and I'll give you guys the code and then that helps me out Uh, that sounds a little uh, self-serving but come on how often do I uh, self-serve myself Hello. Uh, and then that's it Uh, this Wednesday I'll be at the Irvine Improv listeners coming out so I got tickets where can we find you guys I'm going to be in Las Vegas this week. Uh, oh, I'll be there September 8th to the 14th, and I'm going to uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Which, uh, which club in Vegas? I'm doing the Brad Garrett's room. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, Brad Garrett's room, the best beautiful green room in the, in the entire industry. Beautiful. And then uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and I'm closing out my month with a couple of corporate things, private corporate nice. events. So. Awesome. JimmyShubert.com. JimmyShubert.com. You can listen to my podcast, The Jimmy Schubert Show, and find us at Network Studios. And uh, Yeah. Well, yeah, go to the networkstudios.com for all our podcasts. And uh, also, you can find me at uh, Casentini.com, Mike Casentini on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. you'll be hanging around the podcast festival, right? Because you got yeah. a few shows on there. Yep. Right? Okay. Got Kira Sultanovich is going to be there. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Guys, thank you so much for coming over thanks on a hot day. Us, I know you had to squeeze in a time. Jimmy, we'll get you out of here on time, I promise. Yeah. Uh, hey, guys, thanks a lot. Uh, uh, thanks for listening. Come see these guys when they come to your town. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Peace. You want to know about life on the road? 
It's booze, tacos, angry dwarfs, strippers waving guns. And fees, fights, cancel flights, running with the runs. And blacklists, bounce checks, great a bachelorette. <laughs> Drunks in the front, making out for your set. And middle acts doing blow, more missing merch. And drive the rental car past another mega church. And juice keys, vagina fists, your cell phone is gone. One big law and order marathon.